Isaiah chapter 55, we're going to start reading in verse 6. Here we go. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Let me say that one more time. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. Notice that. Let me say that one more time. Let the wicked forsake whose way? His way. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Ain't that good news? Let's keep on reading. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. You may be seated. Father, again, we come to you this morning. Lord, I ain't going to try to come up with no fancy words. I ain't going to try to make this more than it is. Lord, I'm going to speak exactly what you say speak, Father. Lord, word for word, what you say, that's what will be spoken. Father, I, I understand that my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not even close to being like your ways. But Father, I thank you so much that you have shown us your way. I thank you so much that you have shined the light through your Son, Jesus Christ. And that we can look at his life and his example and we can see your ways. And we can line our life up with that. And Father, I pray this morning that you would anoint this word. Father, I pray that it would accomplish whatever you mean for it to go out for, Lord. Lord, if it's just for one person here this morning, then God, you make it accomplish your purpose in one person. Father, if it's for 200 here this morning, you accomplish it in 200. Whoever it's for, God, you cause it to do what you sent it out to do, and we will trust you. Father, we thank you so much. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. He said here that our thoughts and our ways have kept us away from God. Our thoughts and our ways are nothing like His ways. They're not even middle ground. They're not even close. There is no middle ground in thoughts and ways. There's God's ways and there's our ways. And that's it. And our ways equal evil. The Bible says there is none who does not sin. None. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So I say to each and every one of you this morning, no matter what we talk about this morning, the finger points at each and every one of us, not from each other, from God. We are all guilty of sin, every one of us. So I want you to realize this morning that you are here to learn the ways of God. You are not here this morning to make your ways line up with the way that God does not want. You're here to line your life up, up with His ways, to forsake your ways. 
There are going to be things when you come into the church house, even when you just open this Word, there, are, there should be things you see very often that is not right in your life. There should be things you can see that your ways are not like His, and I need to change this. I need to forsake this way because my way is evil. My thoughts are evil. I need to forsake these things. The Bible says even our good deeds are like what? Filthy rags in the eyes of God. So that means even the thoughts you think are good thoughts, they are not good enough for God. But the good thing about it is, is that He has gave us His Word. The Bible says in the book of John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. So He give us His Word through Jesus Christ. His Word, Jesus Christ, was the perfect example. It was like looking in a mirror of the exact glory of God. When you look at Jesus Christ and His ways, you see exactly what God's ways are. When you listen to His teachings, even when you don't agree with it, I want you to know this morning, it is still the ways of God. Jesus teaches some things that your life does not line up with. The whole reason He taught that is not to condemn you. You were condemned before He ever taught it. The Bible says in the book of John chapter 3, verse um, 16 through 19, I believe that for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But then it goes on to say that those who do not believe in the name of the Son, only begotten Son of God, are condemned already because they have not believed in it. And then it goes on to say in one of the other verses, and I'm ad-libbing here, it says, this is the condemnation that is on, the men, that is on mankind. That light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So here's what, to break that down for you, is this. Here's the condemnation that's on your life now. God sent forth His Son to show you His ways, and yet you chose to continue in your ways. You chose not to turn from your ways and line yourself up with His teachings, but you loved darkness rather than light because your deeds were evil. Do you see that? Our ways are not God's ways. Our thoughts are not God's thoughts. It goes on to tell us He is going to accomplish His purpose. Even when He does shine the light and show you His way, when His Word comes into your life, it will accomplish His purpose one way or the other. One way that God hopes it will accomplish His purpose is that it will change you completely. It will cause you to turn around from your ways, to forsake your evil ways, and come to God and receive that, that abundant pardon that He was talking about here in Isaiah 55. But if His Word does not accomplish that purpose, it will accomplish the other purpose, and that's this. It will become a testimony against you. Then when you stand before Him in judgment and you stand in your ways, he will look at you and He will say, You loved darkness more than the light because I gave you My Word, but you did not let it change you. And it will become a testimony against you. And at that moment, there won't be any excuses. 
There's nothing that you can say. There's no, there's no word that you can give him. As a matter of fact, your mouth will be shut because there's nothing you can say against that. And from that point on, because you did not accept his light, his word, more than likely, if, if my interpretation is right, you will spend eternity away from God. But if you allow his word to change you, I'm not talking about stumbles. I'm talking about lifestyles. If you let it change your lifestyle, you may still stumble. You may still mess up. But it's not your lifestyle. And if you allow Jesus, the Word of God, to come into your life and begin to change you, then you will stand before Him on that day and He will say, Come on in, my child. You were not a worker of iniquity. You didn't practice iniquity. You believed in the name of the only begotten Son. You walked in my way, in my truth, and now here's life everlasting with me. So this morning, I'm going to wrap up the marriage. I've been on it for a long time. I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to recap a few things that is going to bother some people. I know that. Because there are so many people in this world that have been affected by divorce. There is. But again, I want you to understand something. This is not, and not everybody, you know, some people didn't have a choice in their divorce. Some people didn't have an option. And I believe that God does not condemn the innocent in any way. So don't hear me putting every divorce down. There is a biblical divorce. There is a time for it. But 90% of the time it's not. 90% of the time it's our way. And if we'll be honest and look at the Word of God, it's not right. Now, granted, that don't mean that there's not forgiveness. I'm getting ahead of myself. I want you to go with me, if you would, to the um, book of Genesis, chapter 1. I'm going to recap just a few things. Remember, there is none who does not sin, not even one. Even this old fella up here that's talking to you right now, guess what he does from time to time? He sins. So I want to tell you right now, there ain't a single one of you that ought to feel like he has a finger pointed at anybody here because every one of us need the forgiveness and the love and the mercy of God. Every one of us have made mistakes. But you're not here today to make your mistakes line up with God. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're not here today to make your ways line up with God. You're here to look at where you're at today and say, God, how can I line my life up from today, from where I'm at right now, how can I change my ways to line them up with yours and follow in your example and your teachings? That's what you're here today for. The first thing I want to remind you of in Genesis chapter chapter 2, verse 24 and 20, verse 24. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. He says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. The one thing I want you to remember about marriage this morning is this. It's God's doing. It's not yours. Marriage, you would not even know about it were it not for the Word of God. Marriage would not even be a concept in your mind had He not created man had he not looked at man and said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to make him a helpmate. I'm going to make him somebody that is going to be 
one flesh with him. And he takes the rib out of man and he makes woman. And now, because God has created both beings in his image, he has now created what we know today as marriage between a man and a woman. So I say this, you know, it's, it, in this day and time, it's done begin, especially in the younger people, it's begun to be okay to be homosexual. I, I told God I'm going to speak it like it is this morning. Now, granted, sin is sin. I'm not going to downplay homosexual. Do you know what? They need to repent and come to the Lord just like the liar needs to repent and come to the Lord. So I'm not pointing my finger at a homosexual this morning saying, you're a sinner on your way to hell. Guess what? Every one of us are sinners on our way to hell without the mercy of God. So don't hear me putting it down. I'm just telling you like it is this morning. When God created marriage, it was His doing. It was not our way. It was not our thought. It was His design. He made man in His image, and then He made man a helpmate, which was a woman. And He says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother, and he shall cleave unto his wife. Listen to me, everybody here today. Homosexuality is not okay. I'm not saying that you need to be some um, gay basher, as they call them. I'm not saying that you need to go out there and slap them in the head and beat them up. Um, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying they need to know that the lifestyle that they're living in is a lifestyle that God is not pleased with. It's a lifestyle that they need to turn away from. They need to experience the love of God in their life and learn His ways and forsake their ways. It's not okay any more than lying, any more than adultery. It is not okay in the eyes of God. So the first thing I want you to remember is that marriage is God's doing. It's God's doing because it's His design. He created this thing. We would not even know what marriage is were it not for God. It is also not only His design, but God spoke this thing into existence. He is the one that said, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife. You wouldn't even know what you're supposed to do with your woman had God not said, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. He spoke this thing into existence. Because of that, we need to line our marriage up with His ways. I want to remind you, husbands, that there is no possible way you can just naturally know how to be a husband. You weren't born to know how to be a husband. Any more than a baby is born and can raise itself. How many of you ever seen a baby be born that, was ra that raised itself with no help from nobody else? Somewhere along the way, it listened to someone speak to learn how to talk, didn't it? Somewhere along the way, it had to have somebody hold them up to help them learn how to walk. Somewhere along the way, someone had to feed them milk and get them on solid food. Well, it is the same way with us in learning God's ways. You don't just wake up today and, and learn how to be a husband. You get in and you see the way that God designed it. And then you learn how to be a husband. Wives, the same way. You don't just wake up one day and learn how to be a wife. You get in the Word of God and you see His design. And then you begin to line your life up with the way that He said for a, for a wife to be. So many, so many women in this day and time have such a problem with, um, with when the Bible says wives be submissive to their husbands. You know why they have a problem with it? 
They don't understand what it means to be submissive. They don't understand the purpose behind it. They don't understand why they have to, what they think, bow down to this man. But I want you to know that if you will get in here and you will study, you will learn your part. And I'm not going to go over all that again. I've done taught all that uh, once, once. I'm not going to go back and redo it. But I encourage you to do this. Learn your part in your marriage. Learn what God has designed you to do. Learn the place that He has put you in and walk in His ways even when it don't line up with your ways because it, a lot of times it won't line up with your ways. I want you to um, look at Malachi chapter 2, verse 13 through 16. Again, hear me. I do not have a time machine. <laughs> I cannot back this thing up. If I had a time machine, I want to make you a few promises. There are some things in my life that, yes, I would change. A lot of people say they wouldn't. I'm not one of those. I would. If I could turn back time, I would change some things. I would not do some things that I have done. I have made some big mistakes in the ministry. I have hurt a lot of people learning how to grow in the ministry. I have disciplined the wrong way as a supposedly mature man of God. I have made some big mistakes that have hurt people. And if I could turn around, I want you to know I would change some things. But I can't. I can't turn it around. Only thing I can do is beg for forgiveness and hope that one day that what I have done, God can undo. Same way with divorce. I can't back up those of you who have experienced it. I want you to know that some of you probably looking at me saying, well, you don't understand my situation. You're exactly right. I don't. I don't know. For all I know, um, God is okay with, with your situation. It may have been a biblical situation. But I want you to understand you're not here today to just line up and try to make God okay with everything that's in your life. You're here today to learn, God, what is your way? God, how can I line my life up from here on out to line up with the way that you would have me to live? Malachi chapter 2, starting in verse 13. Before I read this, I want you to remember that Jesus, when He came to teach, and remember, He is God's Word. He is the light, the shining example of the ways of God. When Jesus came to teach God's ways, He taught us that when the Pharisees asked Him, is it okay for a man to divorce for just any reason? He looked at them and He said, from the beginning, it was not this way. From the beginning, God never intended for divorce to even play in the picture. From the beginning, it was not God's design. He said from the beginning, God created man and woman. And He said a man should leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And then Jesus comes down with a pounding blow of teaching that says, Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. And I bet you that that come down hard on some of those Pharisees because don't you know that many of them were sitting there in a condemned position? Don't you know that? But did that change God's way? No. God's way is still God's way. And Jesus gave them opportunity to line their life up with the way of God or continue to walk in their way and be forever condemned. Remember, God is God no matter what you think about Him. <laughs> You're just a grasshopper in his eyes. Now, granted, you're the apple of his eye, but you're still just a grasshopper compared to him, if we could even compare you as a grasshopper, if you could even be that big. God is God, and his ways are his ways. 
and we either line up with them or we are forever eternally separated from him. Malachi chapter 2, verse 13, this is what it says. And this is the second thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying, so he does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. He said, you cry and you cry and you cry to me. He said, but I ain't listening. I'm not listening. I'm not receiving your offerings, and here's why. Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously, yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. But it did he not make them one, having a remnant of the Spirit? And why one? He seeks godly offspring. Therefore take heed to your spirit and let none deal, deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. I'm going to keep going here in just a second, but I want you to think about what God just said. He said, the reason I'm not hearing your cries, the reason I'm not watching and seeing your tears, the reason why your offerings mean nothing to me is because I made you one with this woman, your wife by covenant, the vows that you made to me that we would be together till death do we part. I put this thing together and I made it one, having a remnant of the Spirit. I want you to think about what he's saying there. The Bible tells us that marriage between a man and a woman is a picture of the relationship between Christ and the church, correct? If that is the case, then he says here, the one thing that joins them together of Christ and the church is what? The Spirit. The Holy Spirit. We are one in the Spirit. And in marriage, when He designed it in the beginning, it was a shadow of things to come. Does that sound familiar? He designed this marriage to be a remnant of the Spirit. It was an example, a picture of the two becoming one to display what the spiritual union would look like when Jesus Christ come. And he says here that the reason why he's not hearing your prayers is because you have dealt treacherously with that. God put this thing together and you separated it. And he says here in verse 16, For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. He hates it. He don't like it. But you know what else he hates? He hates liars too. You know what else he hates? He hates sin, period. So... Again, I say, there ain't no fingers pointing at just divorced people this morning because I'm going to tell you, i got plenty of fingers pointing at me for my things too. And, and, and i got some things that he's changing in my life as well. So listen to what the Lord says. He says he hates divorce. For it covers one's garments with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. Now again, I want to remind you that if you have experienced this divorce, don't feel like fingers are being pointed at you this morning. It's not. You're in a place of mercy. You're in a place of forgiveness. You're in a place of abundant compassion. The only thing that God asks you to do is line your ways up with Him from now until the day that you see Him. That's what He asks from you. Same way with a homosexual. If there's a homosexual in the building this morning, he ain't pointing a finger at you. He's telling you, this is not my way. This is my way right here. And I need you to line your life up with my way. And when you do that, 
then you will be walking in the way, in the truth, and in the light. I want you to look at Mark chapter 3, verse 28. Because there are some people here this morning, I would believe, that you either have been or are on the verge of ready to just quit. Ready to just give up on your marriage. To the first group that have already experienced it, and maybe yours was one that that lined up with the Word of God. It it possibly could have been. I, I mean that. But I know that there are some here this morning that didn't, and you know it didn't either. You know it was not a divorce that lined up with God's Word. But I say this to you just like I say to any sinner. Mark chapter 3, verse 28. Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, the sons of men. How many sins? Does that leave anything out? Except for here comes one. He says, all sins will be forgiven, the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they may utter. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. I'm not going to get into what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is, but here's what I need you to understand this morning. There is not a sin that's not forgivable. Every one of them. And I I already got a shout out of that, because I'm going to tell you, every one of us need forgiveness. Every one of us have been in places that God is not okay with, and we need forgiveness, and we need it bad. So I say to you this morning that all the sins of man will be forgiven men. All of them. All of them that turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, God will forgive them of their sins and He will give you a pardon that lasts forever, that leads to an eternal home with Him. But now I want to get to this second group. There's a second group that's in a place this morning that you've considered giving up, Or possibly you're in a place that you've about made up your mind, yes, I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to give up. I say to you this, just because there is forgiveness for a sin does not give us permission to do it. Does it? No, it don't. I want you to look, if you would, at 1 Peter 2, verse 15 and 16. 1 Peter 2, verse 15 and 16 says this, For this is the will of God that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. What does liberty mean? What does it mean? Freedom. That means that Jesus Christ has set you free, right? Sin no longer holds you bondage. There is forgiveness for all sin in your life. But... He says here, we're free, but we don't use liberty as a cloak for vice. In other words, just because there is freedom, just because there is liberty, does not mean that we have free reign to just sin all we want to sin, live however we want to live. He says, no, you don't use liberty as a cloak. What's a cloak? Something that covers. He said, don't use liberty as a cloak for vice. What is vice? Sin. Immoral, immoral things. He says just because you have forgiveness, it does not give you permission. Those who actually believe they can use liberty for a cloak or vice, they've never turned away from their sin and they're still living in it. That's just the truth. I want you to look at Galatians chapter 5 verse 13.
He says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. You've been called to freedom. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Did you catch that? Do not use your freedom as an opportunity to fulfill your ways because your ways are not God's ways. God's ways are higher than your ways. And it is our job now to line our life up with God's ways, even if it means suffering on our part. Now, granted, I want to say this. I do believe that in marriage that there are times whenever there comes a time for a redemptive separation. Not divorce. I want to give you an example. In the Old Testament, whenever God's children, Israel, whenever God told them they were committing adultery on Him by serving of other gods, the Bible actually says that He divorced them. That's the word it used in Jeremiah. If you go back and you study that word in the Greek term, it don't actually mean divorce. It was a bad translation. What it means is he separated himself from them. Now you remember that he brought them back to him. But there was a time of separation that he allowed them to go in order for this thing to be restored. I want you to, I want you to know that in the case of uh, abuse, in the case of... Um, of your family being in turmoil of some or in some fear of having fear of their lives or fear of being I want you to know that yes there are times when God says you don't stick around there are times when you remaining in this marriage at this point in time brings you into a place of um, assistance in sin if you know that your children are in danger in your house whether you're a husband or a wife then guess what if you leave your children there and if you stay in that place and you leave them in danger, then I want you to know that you have been now moved into a place of assisting sin. When you could have separated yourself for this time, for a time of redeeming, for a time of redemption, it was not a time to just divorce. Now again, the Bible tells us in the book of Matthew chapter 18, I believe it is, that he does not permit divorce except in the case of adultery. And there again, I don't believe even adultery at this point in time is necessarily an okay reason for divorce. The only time I believe Jesus would have said this is if the adulterer was unwilling to repent, was unwilling to come back, and then the other party has no choice, do they? Sometimes you don't get a choice. And I want you to know that I believe that was God's way of protecting the innocent. That is, my, that is the way that I interpret the Scripture. reason I interpret it, I want you to think about this. It would contradict Scripture if adultery for any reason was okay to divorce. Because what if the adulterer was willing to come back, but the other was not willing to forgive? Does that line up with Scripture? No, it don't. So I can promise you that adultery is not always a cause for divorce. But there are times whenever adultery is a cause for divorce and God will honor that divorce. But again, you have to judge yourself. You have to look at God's ways and you have to see for yourself where you line up at. I don't have a time machine so I can't fix what's already been done. Everybody understand that? We can't change what's already been done. But what we can do is we can line ourselves up today with the way of God. Romans 6, verse 1 through 4. 
Romans 6, verse 1 through 4. Listen to what Paul says. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Let me ask that question a different way. Is it okay for me to just sin whenever it's benefiting me because there's forgiveness for all sin? Shall I sin just because grace is going to cover my life of my sin? He says no. Just because there is forgiveness for your sin, it does not mean that this is an okay for you to just go out and live an ungodly lifestyle. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Listen to the next verse. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? How is that possible? Whenever we came to Christ, we put our lives down, correct? We put our lives down, we died to sin, and we chose to put on God's ways, right? So how is it possible if we died to sin that we should live any longer in it? It's not possible. Either you died to sin or you have not died to it yet. Again, I'm talking about lifestyles. I'm not talking about stumbles. That's important for you to hear tonight. I'm not talking about mistakes. I'm talking about lifestyles. He says here, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We have been called to forsake our ways, and we have been called to turn to God's ways and line ourselves up with them. I've still got some lining to do, Ricky. I do. I've still got some mistakes that I've got to get corrected. I've still got some things I've got to change to line up with God's ways. But you know, He ain't through working on me. He's still making me what I ought to be. And it's the same way with each and every one of you here today, too. Divorced, homosexual, whatever the case may be, He's still working on you. But don't let your freedom from sin make you make choices that are going to be sinful. Second thing I want you to remember, God designed marriage to be a picture of the relationship between Christ and the church. And I'm not going to get too much further than this, but this is the most important part I want you to remember anyway. Ephesians 5, verse 31 and 32. Tim, give me that real quick. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And listen what Paul says next. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So basically, here's what Paul said. Marriage. When God makes two one, marriage is a picture. It was a picture of what he was going to do in the future between Christ and the church. He took man and woman, husband and wife, and He made them one flesh. And then in the New Testament, He took Christ and sinners, and He made them one body through, this, through His Holy Spirit. So let me ask you this. What is your relationship between you and Christ built on? What were you saved by? Saved by grace. What is grace? Undeserved forgiveness. Undeserved mercy. 
your relationship between you and Jesus Christ and my relationship between me and Jesus Christ is a relationship that's built on grace. It's undeserved forgiveness. We didn't deserve this. We done wrong. But even still, He give us what we did not deserve. And if the relationship between Christ and the church is built on grace, it is also sustained by grace. How many of you have not messed up since you've become a Christian? You've been perfect ever since you've come to Christ. Is there anybody that wants to go at that one? Guess what? I hadn't either. But I want you to know that grace still abounds. Grace still falls on my life every time I mess up. So let me ask you this. If the relationship between Christ and the church is built and sustained by grace and marriage between a husband and a wife is a picture of it, then that means that marriage, too, has to be built on grace undeserved mercy and it has to be sustained by grace undeserved mercy because guess what you are going to do something stupid in your marriage if you have not already you ain't been married more than a day you are going to do something stupid in your marriage it has to be built by grace and it has to be sustained by grace alone undeserved mercy undeserved forgiveness for those of you that will remember this message, you'll remember I talked to you about this, this uh, beautiful pasture over here. You remember that pasture? This pasture, when you, when you were standing at the fence of it, boy, that thing was beautiful, wasn't it? You and your wife standing at the edge of this pasture, and you're looking out through this thing, and the, all the grass is green. It's green everywhere you look. Trees are so big, Ricky. Fruit trees just full of pears, plums everywhere. And this place just looks so good. And then you and your wife begin to, to walk out through these green grass and trees and rolling hills and you get a little ways out there and you step in something that squishes up between your toes. You didn't see that from the fence, did you? That wasn't there. You think, well, that's okay. Get a little grass between your toes, get that stuff out. Begin to walk a little bit further and you know what you step in? Another one. You didn't see that one from the fence either, but it was there. I want to tell you, your marriage is very similar to that. You're going to walk through this pasture that looks so green from the fence. It looks so green from the altar. But somewhere down that way, you found a cow pile. But you've got to do something with them cow piles. You don't just leave them laying there. You get that cow pile up, and you take it over here to this corner, and you pile it up over here. You get it out of your pretty pasture because it don't belong there. And then you walk a little bit further and you'll notice them pretty fruit trees that look so good. Boy, them plums just fall on the ground and rot and they a mess to step all around, ain't it? Them pears, they get to falling off and rotting and they stink. The rolling hills, you get up there and what looks like such a gentle rolling hill, all of a sudden it's a mountain when you get to the bottom of it. Your marriage is just like that. Your relationship in your marriage has to be built on grace and it has to be sustained by grace. If there is nothing else you hear from me about this marriage series that we have been through, I need you to hear that. You have to build your marriage on grace. That's the only way you're going to make it through it. The way that you do this is by following the example of Jesus Christ. You remember the, from the book of Colossians, we went through a sermon that said, put off the old clothes and put on the new clothes. Put on bowels of mercy, gentleness, kindness, long-suffering. Those are not easy things to do, are they? 
but they are required if you're going to make it in relationships, period. Marriage, father and, and son relationship, mother-daughter, father-daughter relationships, they, patience, long-suffering, those things have to be there, don't they? Well, it ain't no different in your marriage. Those things are the things you have to put on. But here's what I want you to remember. If you are married to a believer, and that's a key thing, if you are married to a believer, you don't have to just expect that things are just always going to be you just putting up with them. You don't have to expect that things are just always going to be me having to suffer. No, if you are married to a believer, you should expect change. Because both of you are trying to walk in the light and you ought to expect. You know, I am not the same husband I was when Chastity first married me. She's not the same wife that I first married her. We've changed. We've changed for the good. Because we have followed the light. We have followed the way. We followed the truth. And because of that, we have begun to walk in, in, the, in the path. Now, we still got a long ways to go, yeah. But we begin to walk in the path. And we've, we've changed. We've, we've put on these good clothes and we've got a good marriage. I want you to remember this morning that if you will put on these good clothes of long-suffering, you can expect change. These long-suffering and gentleness, this is not just a place of just enduring through your marriage. This is a place where you can build a foundation for change because you will become the example in your marriage that you're supposed to be. You will become the example that your wife will see and, and one day will begin to want to follow. Or vice versa. Your wife will become the example that one day the husband will want to be and follow. I'm closing this marriage series out. I've got several more things to go, but I'm not going to go any further. Marriage is God's doing. It's not yours. I know that you may have felt like a finger was pointed at you this morning, but I didn't point no finger. I promise you. I didn't. If any fingers need to be pointing, i got a few needs to come my way. Before they come yours, they got to come my way first. But I want to tell you this morning that everything you've done in your life does not line up with God. You know that and I know that. But you're not here this morning for me to make you line up, make God line up with you. You're here this morning to hear, God, what is your way? Your ways are higher than mine. How can I line my life up with your ways? And if you'll do that this morning, I promise you, you're walking in a path that leads to everlasting life. You're walking to a path that leads to light and not darkness and there will be no condemnation on you when the day of judgment comes because you're following the ways of God. Examine yourself. You decide the things that need to be changed in your life and it's between you and God. If you'd stand, Shirley, come on up. The altar's open for whatever reason this morning. I know that was more of a teaching than it was a, a preaching, but um, those are the ways of God. That is His heart. So I encourage you this morning to examine yourself, see what needs to be lined up with God in your life, and then I encourage you to do that as we sing. All to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live. I surrender.
surrender all, all to Thee, my precious Savior, I surrender all, all to Jesus I surrender, humbly at His feet I bow, worldly pressure all forsaken, take me Jesus, take me, I surrender all, I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. I want you to, um, while the people are still praying up here, I just, um, I hope that you truly did come in here this morning that you didn't feel condemned. This is, you know what, we're, we're all condemned. I can't stress that to you enough. Every one of us are. The only reason we're not condemned is if you are in the blood of Jesus Christ, you're walking in the light. That's the only thing that separates a Christian from anybody else in the world. So I pray that you did not come in here this morning and feel condemned. Oh, God, help me to, uh, not to do that. I pray that I have put this thing out in a way that you understand that my job is to teach you the way of God. None of us have His ways. None of us have His thoughts. None of us uh, are without sin at all. And every one of us need His teaching. We need His understanding. And I pray that's why you come here for. I pray you come here to say, God, even if it hurts me, even if, even if I, I can't hardly bear to hear it, Father, I pray that you will teach me your ways anyway. Lord, I pray that you'll just tell it to me like you want me to hear it. And I know that the Bible tells me to speak the truth in love. And I pray that's what I've done this morning, is spoke the truth of God from the love of His heart. I hope that you see his, the greatness of His mercy. I hope that you see just how abundant His grace is on your life. But more importantly, I pray that you will be obedient to say, God, I'm going to line my life up with your ways even when it don't match the way that my desires feel. I'm going to follow you. Though no one else go with me, still I will follow. I pray that's what you felt this morning. I'm going to sing one more verse. The altar is empty. If no one comes, this is the end of the invitation. So you have opportunity right now as we sing. All to Jesus I surrender, Lord, I give myself to Thee. Fill me with Thy love and power, let Thy blessings fall on me. I surrender all. 
surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Rob Mayo, come up here, please. <clears throat> Got, we're going to close with this prayer right here. Um, Ms. Judy's come, and um, Rob has come home to what was what was it again? He's got a baby on the way, and we're praying the baby gets here before he has to leave to go to Afghanistan. So uh, we're going to have a special prayer for Rob this morning. And then Ms. Delisa comes this morning, and she has a friend that is having some complications with pregnancy. Is that correct? And um, they need your prayers. So I'm not going to go into detail about the complications, but what I am going to ask you to do is I'd like to ask the deacons to come forward, and we're going to do according to the Word of God. The book of James says to call upon the elders of the church and have them anoint them with oil. Nick, come on up here, please. The Bible says that the prayer of the faith shall save the sick. And at the same time, we're going to anoint Rob, and we're going to pray that the Lord will keep him safe while he's gone from us. But I'm going to say this, as I always do. We're going to pray first and foremost that, God, your will be done. Whatever it is, Father, we want your will to be done. And we will trust you no matter what you choose to do. If anybody wants to come up, you're welcome to come up now to pray. Um, if not, stretch a hand forth or just, just do something to pray for them right now. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning, and God, I, just, I pray that your spirit has had free reign in this building. Father, I pray that in the lives of these people, your spirit has had free reign this morning. Father, this morning we have made this all about you and nothing about us, God. Father, it's all about the truth of your word. It's all about the truth of your worship. And Father, it's all been done in your spirit, God. Father, right now we come to you according to your word. You said that if anyone be sick among you, to let him call upon the elders of the church and have them anoint him with oil, praying over them. And the prayer of the faith shall save the sick. And God, we call you to your word because we know you cannot lie. It's not possible for you to lie, God. And Father, we pray your word this morning. That as we anoint these with oil that we trust that you will do according to your word. But Father, just as you taught us to pray from your son, not our will, but your will be done. Father, I know that you will give us whatever we ask for, God. But Father, we want your will is what we want. And Father, I pray that if this is what needs to be done, this is what we pray for, God. But you are God and we're not. Father, you see all things. You know the big picture when we don't, God. Father, you have a purpose and a reason for everything. And God, I pray right now that you would hear our cry. Father, I pray that in Rob's life this morning, Father, as he is uh, preparing to go and continue to fight for our country as he already has, Father, I pray that his, his child would, would be here before he has to leave, God. Father, I pray that it would be healthy. I pray that it would be safe. But, Father, I pray that you keep him safe wherever he has to go, God. Father, I pray that if it's your will, you bring him back home to us safely, God. And, Father, we again, in this situation too, we trust you, God. Whatever you do, we trust you, but you know the desire of our heart. And if our desire can line up with your will, God, that's what we ask to do this morning. Father, we love you. You are our everything. 
Father, I know that we are sinners, and I know that we still fall from time to time, but God, I thank you so much for your abundant mercy. I thank you so much for your grace that falls on us wretched people. Father, I pray that you would continue to work with us. I pray you continue to teach us, continue to grow us. And Father, give us the power we need to line our life up with your will, God. Father, we give you the praise and the glory for everything that we do. We ask these things in the name above all other names. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless y'all.